Isaiah chapter 51, verses 1 through 11. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah who bore you, for he was but one when I called him that I might bless him and multiply him. For the Lord comforts Zion. He comforts all her waste places and makes her wilderness like Eden and desert and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her. Thanksgiving and the voice of song. Give attention to me, my people, and give ear to me, my nation, for a law will go out for me, and I will set my justice for a light to the peoples. My righteousness draws near, my salvation has gone out, and my arms will judge the people. The coastlands hope for me, and for my arm they wait. Lift up your eyes to the heavens, and look at the earth beneath, for the heavens will vanish like smoke, the earth will wear out like a garment, and they who dwell in it will die in like manner, but my salvation will be forever, and my righteousness will never be dismayed. Listen to me, you who know righteousness, the people in whose heart is my law. Fear not the reproach of man, nor be dismayed at their revilings. For the moth will eat them up like a garment, and the worm will eat them like wool. But my righteousness will be forever, and my salvation to all generations. Awake, awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake as in the days of old, the generations of long ago. Was it not you who cut Rahab in pieces, who pierced the dragon? Was it not you who dried up the sea, the waters of the great deep, who made the depths of the sea away for the redeemed to pass over. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. This is the word of the Lord. All right, well, we're continuing in Isaiah, and Isaiah is speaking through, you know, we haven't even gotten to Babylonian exile, but Isaiah has prophesied that very directly. But now we're we're speaking of the Lord's comfort for his people and lots of very powerful imagery, lots of powerful nature imagery, uh, as Isaiah likes. Um here and you know this garden of eden imagery and this idea that wicked doers and wicked will fade away uh, you know like garments that are eaten up by moths but that the righteousness and salvation that god is bringing for his people uh, that we can say now that he brings through jesus that that righteousness and salvation is an everlasting one so d's the, the people long to know what your thoughts are on Isaiah 51, 1 through 11. Well, so glad to be in the chair. You know, as I as you read the passage, I can't help but think about how, like the pace of how God works. Yeah. Um, and so here we're seeing Isaiah. Of course, this is being written, you know, 590s BC, you know, 600 years before Christ. And, um, you know, 
for for the kind of redemption for God to bring about, like in one sense, it took forever. <laughs> uh, it took 600 years. And then in another sense, like it's still happening. And so I do think that we can get really impatient with how the Lord works. And I wish that I could tell you something. I wish I could say, you know, hey, guys, like if it doesn't seem like the Lord's doing anything, it seems like you're crying out to the Lord, nothing's happening. Don't worry. It's right around the corner. Well, it may not be right around the corner. It may be like way right around the corner. But the yeah. Lord usually gives us just enough mm -hmm. around the corner to keep us following him in faith. Uh, I had this amazing experience one time. I went, I went with a bunch of buddies out to the Grand Canyon, and we went rim to rim and then back to rim, like rim to rim to rim. Mm. And the 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 middle day, so we, we hiked down one day, camped. We hiked up to the north rim and back in one day. It was like a 30-mile day. It was a crazy day. And um, that that day, I mean, it was getting late. One of the guys, like, did not do well, so we had to spend all this time with him to kind of get his energy up. Well, there's this, this guy named Chris and I, and as we were running back, we literally, like, started running down the mountain and ran. I mean, after we had hiked all this way, gone up all this height, like the last, I don't know, eight or nine, eight miles or something, like a long way, we ran the entire way. And I just, I think about that, I was like, how did I have the endurance to do that? Well, what it was, was the last little part, if you've ever hiked the North Rim, mm -hmm. the the part closest to the river, which is like five miles long. When I say close to the river, it's still very long. Yeah. You're like in this little canyon. And so we got in the little canyon. I was like, oh, I think I think it's just right around that corner. And then, you know, we'd turn that corner and it would be like another, you know, half a mile. Mm -hmm. like, oh, it goes right around that corner. But we had enough like right around the corners to keep us going. And so w w one of the reasons that we didn't tire is because like we we kind of lived expectantly. So anyway, as I'm, as I'm thinking about this passage, as I'm thinking about like what I would say is like a prophetic hope that Isaiah is... Uh, giving the people, uh, he's reminding them of, you know, what they have been and what they can one day be in the Lord. Uh, and he says, you know, don't fall asleep. I mean, that's one of my favorite lines, verse nine, you know, wake, wake up, you mm -hmm. know, be strong. Mm -hmm. um, you know, our arm of the Lord, be awake as in the days of old, the generations of long ago. You were the ones that, you know, cut Rahab into pieces. I mean, you were the ones that, um, that defeated these enemy nations and came into Cana. You are the ones that, of course, I led across the Dead Sea on dry ground. Like, you are the ones. My I, my plans for Zion are good. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll, but a lot of times the Christian life, it's just right around the corner. It's just like it's like living to the next corner, and then after a while you realize like, wow, like I've really actually come a long way. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's the way the Lord works. I mean, I was actually talking to some folks on Sunday after the worship service just about fighting sin. And I said, look, like a, a lot of times it feels like you're not getting anywhere with fighting sin. But then, it, you know, if you if you journal, if you look back over the course of your life, you look back and you're like, wow, I've actually come like a long way. Absolutely. I think that's the way the Christian life is. And I think like that's why the words of the prophet here are so important. He, he's giving them this hope to continue and to keep trusting in the restoration of the people and the hope of Zion, the hope of mm -hmm. the people of God. Absolutely. You know, I heard Piper preaching on uh, Romans eight twenty eight once, and 
which is the sort of landmark passage of God will work all things together for good. Right. And the point that he pulled out that I think was a great observation is oftentimes when we think of God working all things together for good, when we think about that practically in our lives, we think of God removing all the bad things right, and, and amplifying the good. And like, that's the, that's the long game that God is playing. But what the narrative of the Bible actually teaches, which is actually a lot more beautiful and powerful than just God, you know, surgically removing bad things is that he's actually a redeeming God that he actually takes hardships and trials. He actually takes right. exile and brokenness and restores and creates beauty and so i think so much of this imagery especially you know i'm looking at verse three uh the lord comforts zion he comforts all her waste places which is you know referencing these places that are ruined right. by like warfare and so you know i think really practically like you can think of the waste places of atlanta like these awful places that once were kind of nice little parts of town that have been just destroyed by gangs and and drugs right you know like the dilapidated buildings and everything or even more realistically thinking of countries like ukraine or you know these these post-war countries where it's just it's awful because it's not only like desert but it's just land that was developed and then ruined and so it's like doubly ruined and uh and so he takes that image and then he takes the wilderness, the desert image. And God says that actually out of that, he's going to create his garden. And I think that that is so powerful Yes, that the God that we see in Isaiah uh, is not a God who's just going to kind of remove and, and overlook and circumvent bad and brokenness, but that the people he's actually coming for that are repeatedly referenced are the sick are the blind are the prisoners and that the places that he's coming for are actually the very unlikely places to find God. It's these waste places, these deserts that he's actually going to descend on non-beautiful places and people. And there he's going to bring about comfort. He's going to bring about honor. He's going to bring good news and that makes the salvation and righteousness of God so much richer. Yes. Because it, it displaces power, it displaces sovereignty to reach into places that we as people cannot redeem. You know, like you could not go to Arches National Park and no matter how much money the government gave you, no matter what you did as Jason D's, you could never create a rainforest. Right. Or yeah. or even yeah. a beautiful garden or a prosperous farm. Uh, you know, in the red clay rocks of Utah. But God is saying, that's exactly what I'm going to do. It's a it's a salvation that we could never bring about. And I, I think it just sets up Isaiah 52, Isaiah 53, and the arrival of Christ so well, because it just leaves this question of, man, how is God going to do this? And it's by coming and overcoming sin and death. Uh, with his own hands, with his own Yeah, lives. that is the tension of the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. It's like, we know it's bad. God says he's going to redeem it. How's he going to redeem it? Mm-hmm. And that's why I got to keep reading and, and see how he how he brings about his work. And there's some, obviously, he, he, the prophet here is kind of telling us. It, it, it's it's harder to understand. You know, we, we understand, obviously, prophecy through the light of Christ. But as we keep reading, it's going to become more and more clear, you know, what God's plan of salvation would be. So mm-hmm. 
For Will Carlisle, I'm Jason Dees. We'll see you tomorrow on Our Daily Rhythm. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ's Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for Our Daily Rhythm.